You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Welcome to the Hero of the Story podcast. My name is Brian and with me is Aaron. Aaron, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's um, it's a little bit chillier today. Uh, today, true. right now here in Nashville, we've been in this weird season where it's like seasons last a day. So it was warm yesterday. It's true. It was delightful yesterday. It's chilly and today. I think it's going to be warm again tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Now, uh, warm is always, always relative and cold is always relative with you people because, I mean, I'm never cold, but I'm always hot. Well, yeah. I mean, I I I tend to be hot more than I, I get cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is is that I'm from up north. Yeah. I'm from away. And part of me is I just I don't know what it is about me. I just I get hot very easily. Mm. So I mean, true. right now in in our podcast dungeon, I'm feeling a little bit warm. It is kind of warm in here. Um, that may have to do with us uh, spouting a lot of hot air. Which yeah, that never helps. <laughs> that never helps. And then of course, there's no air conditioning on in here because uh, of the background noise. That's true. Create. That's true. So we are suffering for the Lord in our in our luxurious podcast studio yeah. that is not a bedroom closet. It is not. It is, it's a legit. I mean, I, I don't want to despair. I mean, it's we got great equipment and everything. In Absolutely. Here. And we even have sound baffles we now do. and, and a TV. Fantastic. I don't know if that. TV monitor was up there before. Uh, it was there before. All right, I just didn't yeah. notice it. That's all right. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So today we're not going to be talking about podcast studios, although we just did for five minutes. Today it was only a minute and twenty seconds. Uh, in podcast time, a minute and twenty seconds feels like five minutes when it's about podcast. Could studios. be thirty years. Uh, yeah, it could be. Uh, there's a Bible verse about that somewhere. Yeah. Um, okay, so today <laughs> we're talking about Second Samuel chapter nine, a, a passage that has become near and dear to my heart. Uh, one that I'm talking about a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a great example of what we mean when we talk about our need to be gospel-centered. Just a, a great example for this. So um, why don't we begin uh, with Aaron? Why don't you read for, or 2 Samuel chapter 9? I think it's about 13 verses long or so. Yeah, give or take. I'll, yeah. I'll do my best dramatic reading here. Okay, Charlton Heston. All right, all right. David asked, Is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. They summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? I'm your servant, he replied. So the king asked, Is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? Ziba said to the king, There's still Jonathan's son who is injured in both feet. The king asked him, Where is he? Ziba answered the king, You'll find him in Lodabar at the house of uh, Machir, the son of, of Emael. That so King David brought had had him brought to the house of brought from the house of Machir, son of Amil in Lodabar. That's a lot of interesting. See, let's just pause right here okay. in verse five to to give you a little tip. All you need to do when you come across hard words in scripture like this, you just make up something and you sell it. You got to sound right. like sound like you know what you're talking about. No one will ever question. All right, well, just so sell it. Thank stop, you. Stop. Thank stop you. getting in your head. Just make it up and sell it. All right, fine. So, so Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down and paid and paid homage. David said, "Mephibosheth, I'm your fir- servant," he replied. "Don't be afraid," David said to him, "since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table." Mephibosheth paid homage and said, "What is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me?" 
Then the king summoned Saul's attendant Ziba and said to him, I've given your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You, your sons, and your servants are to work the ground for him, and you are to bring in the crops so that your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always eat, uh, is always to eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba said to the king, your servant will do all my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at, the, at David's table, just like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. All those living in Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. However, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. His feet had been injured. And so that is 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, a little bit of context is always helpful yep. when we yep. especially are... Especially for this story, because it's... Especially for this story. It's not one that we're as familiar with, most no, likely. No, it's one that we don't often we don't often hear preached on no. Sundays. We don't often see it explored in small group studies, mm-hmm. anything like that. And um, what's important to know about this story is, is that this is, this is coming at a really key time in David's life and... Um, and his his tenure as the the king of Israel, um, he has at this point he has more or less consolidated all of his power. He mm-hmm. has um, you know he has defeated all of his major foes. There is no there is no significant opposition to him as the ruler of all the twelve tribes um, that make up the nation of Israel, and. Now he's looking, and and so now it's basically cleaning up loose ends. Yep. And so for someone like Ziba to hear that the king want king is looking for um, a looking for anyone left in in Saul's family, even though he's saying to show kindness to there there can be this there's this maybe this feeling of panic that, yeah. that goes on. It's like oh. He's he's come if he's coming to clean house. That means that he's getting his, he's getting his affairs in order. Absolutely, and so External we so, done, so we internal. better get our yeah. affairs in order, um, in every way that you want to take that. And so, but what's surprising in this story, of course, is is that David doesn't do what we would expect. <laughs> Instead, he is showing tremendous kindness to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, for the sake of Jonathan. And this is what's repeated throughout. Yep. And so um, it's really easy for us. And I mean, a logical logical place for us to go in terms of when we're thinking about this story is, well, what we should take away from it is that God wants us to show his kindness. He wants us to show yeah. kindness to people. Yeah. Um, is, but, the, is what, but that seems like we're... we're Seems like maybe we're missing something. Yeah, I, I think the the natural reaction is, as you said, Aaron. <clears throat> I think a lot of times people look at this text and searching for application. That seems like the most natural. Um, you know, that's that message you keep seeing throughout it. And and David's kindness is exorbitant in in this passage. I mean, he does a, a few things. One, he uh, gives Saul's estate. To Mephibosheth, mm-hmm. and Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. He had fallen when he was five years old, when his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul were killed in battle, and, and the nurse taking care of him picked him up to flee, and somehow he fell, and that's how he became crippled. and And we know in that day, a crippled could not take care of himself. Uh, this is why you see them begging at city gates so often throughout Scripture, because it was an agrarian society. Yeah, you didn't have desk jobs, so here was Mephibosheth who was hopeless, um, helpless. To, to a large extent, 
Um, and, and David gives him Saul's estate and doesn't just give him a state. He gives him all these workers, at least what, 35 workers or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it says right there that Zeba's, Zeba's sons numbered 15 and that his, that his servants were numbered 20. Yeah. So, so immediately because of an, a spoken word and edict of the king, Mephibosheth has gone from being an outcast. Uh, we know where he's living. Lodabar is actually outside of the promised land. It's on the other side of the Jordan. So he's kind of in exile, mm-hmm. probably self-imposed. I would imagine that he said, hey, I'm going to get out of the way. Um, because in, in that day, uh, you know, if you were in the, of the former King's line, you probably weren't going to live long because you were a threat. Yeah. So here, this guy, he's in exile. He is, um, perhaps viewed as an enemy of the King. Uh, he is poor. He has nothing going for him. He's helpless. He can't do anything about his condition, his, his, his situation. Uh, and David immediately makes him a wealthy man and he doesn't have to worry about provision anymore. Uh, but then David goes above and beyond that even. And he says, but all that food you're going to be producing at that estate, you don't have to worry about it because you're going to be eating at my table. And we read that Mephibosheth ate at David's table, at the king's table, mm-hmm. which should have died when his father, Jonathan, the next in line to be king, when he died. But we see that he ate at the king's table every day. And so we think, man, this is great kindness on, on David's part. Mm-hmm. Incredible kindness. So as we're teaching this to any age group, adults, students, kids, that's naturally where we want to go. Yeah. But the problem with that is we, the discussion we just had, we could go and have in a public school. Right. Without any recourse. Mm -hmm. We could, we could take the story of David and Mephibosheth and teach it and, and conclude. So guys be kind to one another, kids be kind, teenagers be kind and nobody would give us grief, which no. means we have not taught the Bible correctly. Uh, generally not, no, um, because there's something significant missing. Yeah, which we, is, we have not mentioned Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we have not taken people to the gospel. That's why you could teach it without any repercussion. Right. Um, so that is just a way that we can kind of gauge ourselves. Are we teaching something in any age group that that our people can hear in our culture? Yeah. Well, and if the answer is yes then that's a problem. Right. Now, one of the things that we always want to, we, we should remind you, and we did a whole episode on this very early in, you know, in the series, um, that when we talk about bringing people to Jesus, showing them Jesus in a text, what we're not talking about is dishonoring the, exactly. the historical context. What happened, happened. Yep. And, and it matters. And it absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essential because it helps, um, because actually what happened helps us to better see the gospel itself in yeah. it. Um, so what we're talking about is, is saying, how does this, how does this, how does this point us toward what God has done for yeah. us what, in how does Christ? This, yeah. How does this point us to the bigger truth? This is a truth. Yeah. It's important, but how does it point us to the bigger, I would say more beautiful truth. And, and that's what we have to remember. It's, it's, it's not either, or we're not saying, all right, it's either Jesus in this passage and, and the gospel in this passage or David and, and the history that happened. It's both in God's, in God's right. splendor. He adds different levels of depth to, right. to these passages. So, this one, as we go back and say, all right, well, we, we can't have taught it correctly if we have not gotten to Jesus in it. So let's rewind and, and see where did we miss him? Where mm-hmm. is he in this? And, and where is he properly not forced into it? And I think when we do that, we will see the beauty come right off the page. And actually, we're going to reach a similar destination, a practical application of this 
it's fitting to talk about kindness, yeah. but we're missing a key step first. So yeah. let's, let's rewind. I think when we look at this story, the problem that we, we, we make or, or the mistake that we make is that we tend to see ourselves as the hero, as David. And as we know, this is why we called this podcast Hero of the Story. We know that Jesus is the hero of the story of scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good for us to remain in a posture of always first looking at ourselves as the non-heroes in the story. So David and Goliath, for example, we're not David. No. We're the trembling in fear Israeli Israelite army who is cowering, waiting for another one to go before us and win the victory. So here, I think if we start saying, all right, let's not look at ourselves as David. Let's look at ourselves as Mephibosheth. I think this is where we see the gospel shining forth. So here you have Mephibosheth who was physically infirm. He was Mm -hmm. physically crippled. Well, we know from scripture that that describes who we are spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we are dead because of our sin and trespasses. We are unable to do anything to fix this. Romans 5 is, is very clear on this. Ephesians 2 is very clear on this. Mm-hmm. Um, that we are, we are helpless. We are hopeless. Uh, Romans 5 back in that one says that we are enemies mm-hmm. of God because we are in rebellion against him. That sounds like Mephibosheth. Right. He, he, he was an enemy, if you will, of King David. He was helpless and hopeless in his estate. So I'm immediately seeing connections with Mephibosheth, spiritually with him who he was physically in that day. So we think of Mephibosheth then, and we think of, all right, here's Mephibosheth hanging out one day, doing whatever he did, and a knock on the door, and one of King David's messengers says, hey, the king wants to see you. Yeah. And I mean, the lump went up in his throat, I'm sure, as he thought, why, what, what does the king want from me? Again, as we talked about it, I guess he's clearing, you know, he's clearing house and yeah. getting his affairs in order. But here's what we can't miss. Mephibosheth did not proactively go to David. Mephibosheth didn't say, hey, you should be kind to me. Um, David proactively on his own choice decided, hey, I want to make good on that promise. Right. And he looked for someone to be kind to. And he, he took the opportunity. He made the opportunity to be kind. Right. It sounds an awful lot like how God searches after us. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's not insignificant that he says, I'm looking for one of Saul's family members to show God's kindness yes. to as well. Not my kindness to, no. God's kindness. Yeah, and, and, and we see that. I mean, we can jump ahead. Ephesians 2, if you if you look later on in, in Ephesians 2, uh, probably near about seven or eight in that verse, we, we see that it was through God's kindness, through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus that we have been saved. And so mm-hmm. that phrase, God's kindness, is in Ephesians 2, which I really think helps us see how this story of kindness has a greater kindness in mind here. It's not, it's not ultimately a story of King David's kindness. No. It's ultimately a story of the King of Kings' kindness to us in Christ. And so that proactive nature, again, that reminds us, we did not seek after God. He sought after us to show kindness to us in Christ. And then we see that his estate is restored to him. Saul's estate, the, that property belonged to Mephibosheth by right. It would have been passed down to him uh, and it's restored to him. Yeah. Well, similarly in the gospel, we see that our estate, which is creation, God created the world, put us on it, to live on it, to serve him, worship him, and steward his creation. And it has been ripped from us because of our rebellion, because of sin. Mm -hmm. 
But one day when Jesus returns, he's going to make all things right again. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to spend eternity on the new heaven and new earth. Mm-hmm. And so that, that estate, if you will, is restored to us. Yeah. And then finally, most beautifully, you have this image of Mephibosheth eating at the king's table as one of his sons. I mean, that, that, again, that's the most astounding part of this. But we know from scripture, we celebrate this when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we eat at the king of kings table, not like one of his children, as his children who have been adopted by him in mm-hmm. Christ. So you, you start piecing this together and you look at, all right, Mephibosheth, David, literal stories we talked about. We have to honor it. We want to teach it properly. Mm-hmm. But what are the deeper ideas we're seeing here? What are the images that God is bringing to bear that he's carrying throughout scripture? And we start seeing this beauty of the King of Kings kindness to us that is where we want our hearts to be going. That's where we want the kids that we're teaching, the students that we're teaching, the adults. We want them being in awe, not of David in this story, mm-hmm. but of God. And David is a, a vehicle, if you will, yeah. that takes us to see that more clearly, makes our jaws drop and says, man, how good our King of Kings is to us. How lavish it has his kindness been to us. Mm-hmm. Mephibosheth in this count says, why are you being kind to me? Uh, I'm, I'm a dead dog. That should be our heart part posture. God, why are you so kind to me? I, I'm a dead dog. Yeah. But you have chosen to be kind to me and that amazes me. Now that takes us back to the application. Yeah, and we I can, was just gonna say. <laughs> yeah, and we can end up in a very similar place. Well, how do we practically express different living because of this? Right. I think there is a place here to talk about being kind, right. but the, the motivation for being kind should be channeled through that kindness that we've received because Mm -hmm. God has been so kind to me in Christ. I want to be kind to others. And it's also the, again, it's also the kind of kindness as well. So it's not just being kind for kindness's sake. It's not just be doing um, nice or generous things Mm -hmm. for somebody. We are called to show God's kindness. Yes as God has shown us his kindness in Christ, which ultimately means that we are pointing people to the one who has shown God's kindness yes. to us, we, which is Christ. Yeah, and, and again, and that, that those, if you want to call them lesser forms of kindness, they matter. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. You, you know, we want to advocate for those, but yes, that's the main yeah. thing. The greatest way we can show kindness is by showing somebody Christ, by telling them the gospel. Yeah, exactly. By living on mission. That's the greatest kindness we have to offer. Right, and all of those things work together to do that. So yeah. if we are if we are doing acts of kindness without proclaiming Christ. We're just good people. Absolutely. But if we and if we are sharing sharing the the good news of the gospel without doing acts of kindness, then we're just we're religious hypocrites. Exactly. So we need both. Yes. Always need both. And um because that is ultimately yeah. how um, we glorify God in the world. Yeah. So, I, you know, I really think, Aaron, that this is just a great passage. This is why I've been teaching on it so often when I'm traveling and speaking mm-hmm. to groups. I'll, I'll usually use this because I really think it's just, it's so clearly and succinctly juxtaposes those two different approaches to scripture. That the, the first one, just reading the story and, and seeing it through David and saying, all right, we should be kind. God wants us to be kind. And it, it falls flat when we really see this story through the gospel, I think that's where you have people saying, wow, that's amazing, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want after our people. So so looking at those two different approaches, this just illustrates a gospel-centered approach that we've been talking about so much in this yeah. podcast. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap up this discussion today, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode of, of the show. Um, tune in next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.